Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Eddie Tate. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com. Don't sit down. Don't sit down. Don't sit down. Anybody that knows me, do not sit down yet. We've got to start all things the right way. How many of you have enjoyed worship? How many of you felt the presence of God in the room during worship? All right. We need to keep an understanding that when we ask God to come, it's not a one-time event. It's an increasing request. Because even if he's here, he can come in greater measure. So put your hands out. And just say, Holy Spirit, come. Now, some people get it. Your, may, your neighbor may have gotten it. So just put your hand on your neighbor's shoulder and invite for them what you want for yourself. Say, Holy Spirit, come. <laughs> oh, man. See, God is so good that if we ask, he will respond. Some of you are getting it. Some of you are still on that spectator spot. So put your hand on your heart. Say, Holy Spirit, come. I may have just lost the room, and that's okay. Let's do something. Put your hand on your neighbor. And say, God, give them what they're afraid of. We just want an increase of your presence in this room, God. We want an increase of presence in our lives. Father, we want all restrictions broken off, cast off, thrown away. We want to receive the fullness of your word, the fullness of your promise, the fullness of your presence. And if you don't want that, your neighbor wants it for you more than you do. All right, you guys can be seated, you can stand, you can float, you can do whatever you need to do. Oh, Jesus, God is good. How many people is it your first time here? First time guest, wow, wow, come on, give them a hand. Did we issue seat belts to them when they came in? (laughs) Oh, it's so good to have you guys. I love family. If you're here visiting, it's because you're family. You're just coming to visit family you didn't know you already had. No one here is just a visitor because we're all brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're all children of God. So we are all family. I want to talk about trusting in God and trusting what he says about us. See, a lot of us say we trust God, but then when we actually have to identify who we are in God, some way, somehow, we lose that trust because we trust that he is who he says he is, but we don't always recognize that we are who we say he is. Trusting in God enough to believe what he says about you, what he has planned for you. In the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of your problems, in the midst of the storm, actually believing that he is God and he is good and what he says is true. You know, and I was reading in, how many of you have a Bible? 
How many of you have it with you? That's another question. Not as many hands. How many of you have an iPhone? Or a, a phone? Some of you are like, Android. It's all right, you'll get saved. Um, just kidding. If you have a phone, you should have the Bible. If you don't have the Bible on your phone, get the Bible on your phone. You shouldn't go anywhere without your Bible. How many of you came to church without a Bible? That's like going on a date without a date. It doesn't make sense. Bring the Word of God wherever you go. This should be in your hand, but more importantly, this should be in your heart. You should have the Word of God as an overflow of who you are, not necessarily on a phone or in a book, but that's another message. So I was reading the Bible, because I love the Bible, love the Word of God, and I love this story, and it, early on I used to read it and think, okay, I'm okay. I, how many of you have ever justified how you're doing based off somebody making a mess in the Word? I'm the only one. Wow, that's a bummer. So I will read these stories about people in the Bible that have made huge messes and God still uses them. And I'm thinking, I still have hope. He can still use me. How many of you know that none of us have a perfect life? Perfection is found in him, through him. The process is what we're in. But there's a story in John about John the Baptist. How many of you know who John the Baptist is? I'm interactive. I ask a lot of questions. I, I expect a lot of hands. I'll call you out if you don't raise your hand. How many of you have a hand to raise? See, not all of you are going to participate. Some of you are going to be blatantly rebellious tonight. Oh, man. John 1. How many of you remember when John baptized Jesus? Those same eight people. This is going to be a long night. Okay, open your word to Genesis 1. We're going to start there. And I promise we'll be done by 8, Thursday evening. In John, it says, John, John's, John's baptizing people. John's the Baptist. You know his name is John the Baptist because names are given for purpose at times. John answered them saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal straps I am not worthy to loose. These things were being done in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How many of you recognize when Jesus is walking towards you? How many of you have vision to see when God is actually coming to you on behalf of heaven to take away the sins of the world? John recognized him. He knew immediately. John goes and he baptizes him in water. He says, I'm not worthy to do it. And he says, you have to do it. So he baptizes him. And as he comes up out of the water, what happens? Heaven opens up. The Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. And heaven cries out, Father cries out, behold. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. How many of you know that every one of you have had that encounter when you said yes to Jesus? See, heaven repeats itself every time someone says yes to following Jesus. God says, behold, this is my child in whom I'm well pleased. John saw that. He gave account. He saw heaven open. How many of you know that John knew Jesus was the Savior that was spoken of? Six hands again. It doesn't exactly say the timeline, but there's a few years in between, and Herod, Herod the great son Herod, and his wife, John is thrown in prison. John the Baptist is thrown in prison. How many of you know that part of the Bible? Okay. 
He's in prison. And there comes a point when he sends his disciples. And it says, John was in prison. He sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the coming one or do we look for another? That always struck me as odd. He's the one that actually made the proclamation, there he is, the one that's come to save us. And now he's questioning, why? He's in prison. How many of you have been in a place where your circumstance dictate your vision and you begin to question who God really is? I mean, how many of you have been in a place where you don't see or hear God in your circumstances, so you begin to question, was that really real? And I love the way Jesus answers to, his, to John's disciples. Because he doesn't say yes. Like, go back and tell him, yep, I'm him. Jesus answered them and said, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. You see, a lot of times when we're in a place in our circumstances, where we're in a place where we don't necessarily see or hear God, we're at a place of not knowing if he's really there anymore. We're waiting for him to come with an answer to say yes, but he's saying, look and see what I'm doing. He's never going to answer with words when he can answer by presence. You have to feed yourself with the good news of what God is doing. See, we lose sight of what God's doing in the midst of our circumstances. We sometimes think, well, if it's bad, that means God's gone. God will never depart you. He's never gone. But don't confuse his presence with his timing. Don't confuse his presence with his plans. He's always there, and he'll answer by demonstration more than he'll answer by word at times. We can only allow ourselves to look at what God is doing and not focus on what we think he's not doing. Jesus himself, I mean Jesus, fully man, fully God, Jesus said he only did what he saw the Father doing, and he only said what he heard the Father saying. There's going to be voices in our lives that will see and hear what God is doing in our lives, and we've got to trust those voices at times. You can always have faith that God is real. You can always have faith that God has got everything under control. How many of you think God is surprised by your circumstances right now? How many of you think he's up there going, oh, man, I did not see that coming. I don't know what we're going to do. I hope they pray more. It gives me time to figure this thing out. See, we get surprised, but Jesus is never surprised by our circumstance. And he promises he'll work it all out for his glory. See, a lot of time your process, your circumstances are a platform for his glory. They're a place for him to actually demonstrate his goodness in your life. I want to give you permission to do something. I give you permission to believe what God says about you in the midst of your circumstances. See, some of us get so caught up in we're not when it's really not about us anyways. Instead of we're not, it should be he is. You have permission to believe what God says about your life, even in the midst of your circumstances. See, you can trust God. You can trust him with everything. Now, how hard is it to trust when you don't see or hear 
but he'll never depart you. His presence is always there, and he is the manifestation of trust. He's not just trustworthy. He is what trust is. So you can rely on him in your circumstances. How many of you have heard of Gideon? How many of you think of Gideon as a mighty warrior? <laughs> there we go. I do now. So nine of you that raised your hand that believe he's a warrior, the rest of you don't believe anything about Gideon, right? Where was Gideon when he was found? In the threshing room. Hiding. How many of you are trying to hide from God? Because you're afraid of the circumstances set before you. In Judges, regarding Gideon, it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now, really picture that. He's hiding in the threshing floor. An angel appears. Just side note. Do you notice he doesn't freak out that an angel appeared? When are we going to get out of our mindset that we think angels are so special and unique that only a few see them when it should be so normal that we don't respond in fear, but we respond in, what do you have to say right now? Okay, back to the point. Just a side note, that one was free. Gideon said to him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has this all happened to us? And where are all his miracles when our fathers told us about? Saying, Did not the Lord bring us from Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites? Let me ask you, how many times has God come to you and called out your identity and you said, woe is me. My life is horrible. I've seen so many un, unfinished promises. I've been handed to the enemy. It must have been God. Don't give the devil so much credit. He's probably not as involved as you think he is. Sometimes it's us just not realizing we are. See, giving the enemy credit for your blindness is actually blasphemy. A couple of you got that one. Some of you go back and listen to the recording. It'll hit you later. God uses us despite our present circumstances and despite our whining about them. See, sometimes we think, oh, God said something, it's not happening, and you start complaining, and then you reclassify your lack by your complaining. You think, well, since I'm complaining about it, I must not have the faith, so it must really, really be not true. See, we can get so caught up in a cycle of sitting in our circumstances and seeing where he's not, that what we're doing is isolating ourselves from the very offer that's before us, and that's that he is. God is more evident and more real and more present than most of us will ever realize. He's not surprised by your circumstances, and you shouldn't be either. And you shouldn't be complaining about him. Instead of saying, woe is me, all of these things have not happened, it's like, oh, I trust you. You're so near and so aware of what's needed. And you have to realize that a lot of times when God calls out your identity, he actually accomplishes what he's assigned you to do, and you get the honor for it. Why? Because he's glorified through your life when you surrender to the call of it on your life. When you do what you're supposed to do, when you step into what you're called to be, God is actually glorified because, trust me, the people around you know that that's not you. <laughs> the Lord turned to him. Now, this is also, I love this about God. How many of you have ever gone to God? He said, you are amazing. You're like, oh, but I'm horrible. I'm too fat. I'm too skinny. I'm too tall. I'm too short. 
I'm not anointed, I'm an introvert, I'm an extrovert, I offend people, I'm sloppy, whatever it is. Whatever your thing is that you've decided to put on yourself as the identity that's covering what God has said about you, whatever that thing is, when God says and he calls out your name and you say, but look at all of this, he ignores you. You ever notice that? He doesn't actually ever talk about your junk. Because what he says is, I mean, Gideon just complained and said, woe is me forsaking all this other junk. Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and you shall save Israel from the Midianites. Have I not sent you? God doesn't have time to deal with your junk. That's your job. Put it down, walk away. Look in the mirror that is a reflection of what he has said, not the one that you've actually manufactured. And this is so much like us, or at least me, because most of you said you've never had these issues. So he said to him, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest. And Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. See, sometimes we just don't get it. How many of you are a little bit hard-headed? How many of you are like me, which is a lot hard-headed? God says, you're amazing. I'm like, yeah, but everybody else doesn't think so. Okay, go ahead and be amazing. But I'm not sure I am. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. And you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. He never is going to acknowledge the junk that you put in between you and him because he only sees what he's called you. God uses us despite our perception of our reality. He's only going to respond to you based on what he's called you. I would say everyone in here, okay, I, I need participation. And I will point at people that don't. <laughs> How many of you have ever read the Bible at all, any part? I'm going to have them turn on the house lights, put a spotlight on somebody, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> four other people like... They don't even know what the Bible is. They're like, I ain't getting a light. <laughs> if you have ever read the Bible, then you have actually heard the voice of God in your life. The truest word of the Lord is the word of the Lord. All prophetic words will be validated by the word. And the word will actually validate your prophetic words. His presence is validated by scripture, and scripture validates his presence. This is the thing that helps you become discerning on what is God and what is not. When you hear something and someone, and how many people have ever heard someone go, well, I don't know if that's God or the devil. Get in the word. You'll figure it out really quick. And the truth is, is that when you begin to speak the identity that God has called you to over your own life, the enemy's voice becomes very easy to discern. Because truth will always be louder than the lie. I'm going to say a few words. I'm going to say a few words. This is when it's going to get real. I'm going to say some words. When you know that it's a word that has been spoken over your life by God, either from his voice from his word or from a person, but you know it's the identity he's called you to, whether you're fully living it or fully hiding from it, I want you to stand. This is not a place of arrogance. I'm going to say a word. Hold on. This is not a place of arrogance. This is a play of confidence. See, arrogance is when you boast and show off who God has called you to be for the sake of putting someone else beneath you. But standing up in the identity is called you is actually glorifying him. 
So how many of you have been called anointed? How many of you have been called compassionate? How many of you have been called a worshiper? How many of you have been called a healer? How many of you have been called into, let me say this. How many of you have been called into leadership? Some of you know what I mean. There we go. I was waiting for that lady to stand. I'm not going to point her out. There's a lady in this direction that you were actually supposed to stand on anointed. And I might just call you out in a minute and let you know what he's saying for real about you. See, everyone should have responded to anointed. Every one of us is called anointed ones. See, God doesn't just say something to waste his voice, to waste his breath. He says something because when he speaks, it creates identity. It creates existence. It creates truth. It creates power. It creates authority. See, when God says something over your life, he's actually breathed authority into your life to control that area of where the enemy is trying to mess people up. You've been given authority over the devil. Every one of you has been given authority over the devil. Every one of you has been given authority over the devil. Why? Because the God in you is bigger than anything out there. Some of you are lacking timing. Some of you are lacking faith. Some of you are lacking belief but none of you are lacking a promise. None of you are lacking a word. None of you are lacking everything needed to step into the fullness of the promise. You can be seated real quick. I got one more thing I want to say on this. I just decided. And then I'm going to say a few other things. I don't know what. If you have your Bibles, turn them to John 2. I either better hear pages or see lights. Otherwise, you're just being rebellious. I'm the mean one. I call people out. Sorry. I'm not the mean one. I'm a dad. How many of you parents know that when you ask your children to do something and they don't do it, you tell them to do it? I'm not calling you all my children, but that's how I operate. Yeah. Some of you are going to get another thing in a minute. On the third day, John 2.1, on the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. The interesting thing about this is I read this a few times, and it took me a while to realize that Mary actually wasn't just at the wedding. She wasn't just a spectator. She wasn't just somebody in the crowd. She actually had a role. She actually had some significance at the wedding. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were inviting to the, invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. How many of you know this story? See, a lot of people justify it to drink a lot, but it's not what this is for. Just, just, I'm just going to put that out there right now. A lot of people are like, first miracle was wine. I'll take two bottles. Jesus said to her, woman, what, has your concern, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, I remember when I first read that, I read it with kind of some urban smack to it, like, woman, it's not my time. 
Because all I could think of is if my mom had ever said, hey, go do this. Woman, I don't think my face would look this way. <laughs> It'd be a little positioned sideways from the backhand. She might have straightened it up with a forehand, but I don't know. But that's not, see, in this culture, that actually is a term of, it's endearment. It's actually, the, when, when they use it in this culture, when he says woman, it's actually a respectful tone. It's actually an honor. It's a, it's a way that they honored women of those days. Is, it was a, it, an endearing term. So when he says that, get that out of your head. It's not woman. It's actually a term of endearment. It's a term of honor. What does your concern have to do with me? How many times has somebody in your life looked at you, called out a promise of God over your life, and you've said, what does that have to do with me? How many times have we missed God's voice through a person calling out our identity and not realizing that we're actually missing out on something? Or how many of us have been like, oh, I'm not ready yet? We got to get out of the idea that you can actually qualify yourself for anything that God is doing. See, God is perfect at his job. He's calling you to be one used. That doesn't mean you're replacing him. And it doesn't mean that you can actually mess it up for him. No offense, you're not that great. You can't mess up for God. See, some of us carry this burden that we feel like, well, if I don't do it well or right or it doesn't happen, if I pray for that sick person, they don't get healed. Ooh, I made God look bad. No, no, you don't have that much on you. Because God will be glorified regardless. See, I've actually seen people come to know Jesus through me missing a prophetic word or missing a prayer on healing. Why? Because I stepped into a place where I invited him to show up, and I knew he would. What I thought he was going to do may not have happened, but he still showed up. See, when you pray for, when, when you invite the presence of God into any situation, the worst case scenario is that he came and a love encounter happened. The worst thing that could have happened is that he came and a love encounter happened. How many of you can change your perspective on stepping forward in faith knowing that? I cannot mess up his reputation. But I can invite the love of God into a situation. And everything else is actually his job anyways. It's kind of one of those, oh, you need healing? In the name of Jesus, I pray you get, okay, it's all yours. And guess what? He always shows up. The manifestation of what his presence says may not be what I thought it was going to be, but it doesn't matter. He's still there. He's still there. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to do, you do it. Kind of reminds me of the way God handles us. They just ignore our comments and just say, yep, just go ahead and be you. You know, some of us need to be called into our destiny and into the right time. Some of us are waiting to qualify ourselves to be used by God in something that he called us to way back. Some of us need someone to say, I don't care what you think your timing is. Just go ahead and follow that person because they're walking in God's promise. Some of you are going to receive an upgrade today on promises spoken behind you. And you're actually going to finally realize, oh, I'm the only one not moving forward in this. So I'm going to just step forward once and all of heaven is going to step forward with you. Now there were a set of six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification for the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. That's a lot of water. This must have been a big wedding. See, wedding, we do weddings in like, okay, 18 minutes, wedding's done, awesome. Weddings lasted a week longer, whatever. Weddings lasted days, weeks sometimes back then. So they had to have a lot of stuff on hand. 
Side note, what kind of pots were used? Dirty, nasty. They were pots that had water for purification. So you've heard when like, they, they washed the disciples' feet. They walked around in the dirt all the time. So the, the pots were used to actually wash off the body before the people came into the wedding. Isn't it funny how God uses something for purification and makes it the purest of his expression at a wedding? See, God will use you, a vessel, holding maybe some dirty water, and he will use you with his infilling to create a pure expression that brings glory to his name in the presence of a party. Jesus said, fill the water pots with water. And he filled, they filled them up to the brim. And then he said, draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that had been made to wine they, and did not know where it came from, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guest of well drunk, how many of you want to well drink in his presence. Some of you are thinking, wine served tonight. No. How many of you want to be well drunk in his presence? How many of you want to put water inside of you and let God's promise turn it into something so pure that it actually blesses the wedding party? You have kept the good wine until now. Some of us need to realize that there is nothing lacking in who we are to be the fullness of who he wants us to be. Now, now I understand there are choices, there are things that may change the timing of the process, they may change the process itself just because you may reject what God has spoken into your life. The very first prophetic word I ever received terrified me because I refused to believe that I was going to do what God said I was going to do. He said I would be a church planter. <laughs> he said I would see miracles, signs, and wonders and that I would go to the nations. I was new. Yeah, it sounds like a good idea. I was new. All I could think of is, oh, not me. You don't know me. I'm the least of my family. See, I was hiding in the, I was hiding in the threshing room. I actually tried to hide from God. The problem is it's his house. He knows all the good hiding spots. He found me over and over and over. Now when I play hide-and-seek, it's like when a little child does. They stand against the wall watching you. Here I come. I'm here! Are you trying to hide from God or are you playing with God? Are you inviting him into finding you? Is it actually a joyful process for you to be seen by the one who has called you by name? tried to hide from my word. Why? It was too much for me. I didn't want to carry that burden or responsibility. I didn't want to have other people's lives on my hand. I wasn't a father then. I didn't understand what it meant to actually have people that I loved so preciously that I would die for them. But see, that's actually become my identity. I'm a father by, by his call. See, I'm fully aware of who I am in God, and I'm fully realizing some of those things coming true day by day. I haven't stepped into the fullness of what God has called me to. And probably some of the delay is me with blind spots going, I don't know. 
But the reality is, is that I am looking for every opportunity to step this much closer into who God says I am. How many of you want to step into even this much of a call or a name or a purpose or a plan or a promise that God has put on your life? When you begin declaring the word of the Lord over your life, you will begin to manifest things around you that will help you step forward day by day. You should have a daily time talking to the Father. I love daily devotionals. I love reading the word. I love worship. I love all aspects of my interaction. But some of us just need to get comfortable talking to God. Talking. Because how many people have had or heard of relationships with a father in their life? Like people talk about, oh, I never had a close relationship with my dad. He was a good dad. He provided for me. He was there. He did this. I just didn't have a good relationship with him. Because there wasn't communication. See, God is every moment of every day saying, I love you. And some of you are like, I don't know if God loves me. Because you haven't learned how to talk to God and hear his voice. Just to hear him say, I love you. Learning how to just communicate with your father is going to be one of the biggest keys you will ever use to unlock the doors that have been locked in your life for so long. Some of us need to actually grab a hold of that key, stick it in the lock, and turn it with the words, I love you. And you'll be amazed at what happens to that door. See, our concept is that when we unlock a door with God... We open it up, we look in, we walk around, we decide whether, no. Once you've unlocked a door, the door is gone. Because here's the thing, that door can never be closed again. Because what you've unlocked with God can never be shut off from you. It's an upgrade night tonight. I don't care if you are like this far from Jesus and you are walking on water, raising the dead, breathing and mountain. You're like, yeah, that mountain looked better over there. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you feel like you do not know who God is. I don't care if you're here and you've never had a relationship with God. That doesn't matter. See, you have to make a decision to follow him. He's already following you. It doesn't matter where you are, what level of relationship you think you have with him, what measure of anointing you think is active in your life, it doesn't matter what your calling was, is, or is supposed to be. Every one of us can receive an upgrade. One of my biggest frustrations early on going to church is that, wow, it seems like every week I get to have everything I want. And nothing's changing. I wonder why. I don't know if I actually believed. I love the message. I loved what people were telling me. I love the idea of the promise. I don't think I actually believed it. Some of us have to get a hold of our belief system. Your actions are a direct reflection of your belief system. You can say what you believe all day long. Your actions will reflect what you believe. See, I had to make some actionable changes in my life to start believing what he said about me. And then as I did, I began to understand more of what he was saying and hearing more of what he was saying. There's not a person in this room that doesn't have an amazing call of God on their life. 
a perfect call of God in our life. Why? Because it's your call. There's people in here that have a full identity unrealized in him because they just haven't believed enough to step into it. That's going to change. It's actually going to change by action, though. See, we have to actually manifest something on earth to invite something from heaven. See, I love symbolism, and I love just actions, because they actually represent something. It's an invitation. It's saying, I'm not just going to say it up here. I'm actually going to say it right here with everything. It's kind of like when you pray. How many of you pray in your mind all the time? Some people are like, I prayed for you. I never heard a word. I was praying inside. I'm an introvert. I don't pray outside. <laughs> Prayers with your mouth. Thinkings with your brain. Your belief system is with your body. See, we think our belief system is what we think, what we say. It's actually what you do. Your belief system will be recognized by other people. Because if your belief system is true, a stranger can tell you what you believe. Because they see it. They see it modeled. How many people are called a Christian because of what other people see going on in your life? How many people are called to pray because someone has said, that person prays? And God listens. How many of you, be honest, are afraid, are afraid to step into the thing that God has actually said about your life? I'm going to wait a second because more hands need to go up because I see some of you going, I'm so afraid I ain't raise my hand. <laughs> Because he's going to call me out and make me say it out loud. It's a real thing. It's intimidating sometimes to be told by God, you're a world changer. I don't know how to change a diaper. <laughs> Some of you are so afraid of the call of God in your life that you're not willing to step outside your door. I took a season of hiding really well. You guys ever watched how they put those blinders on horses so they can only see straight ahead? They have really good vision. Yeah, I put mine straight over my eyes because that was easier. God says, you're anointed to heal the sick. I am not looking at anyone ever because if they're sick, I have to do something now. How many of you know what I'm saying? I mean, you, you get it. You're like, yeah, that's me. I'm called to lead people to Jesus. I don't talk to people, though. <laughs> I'm called to walk on water. I ain't never going outside again. <laughs> and I'm going to do a dry bath. <laughs> or you throw water on the ground and go, okay, I did it. I'm called to raise the dead. Hide from anyone that's even got a cold. Because if they die, I've got a job to do now. See, that first perfect word of God said I would raise the dead. That's the one that really scared me. And I hid for a while. And then I had a good friend remind me of that word. I don't even know if my wife knows this story. I had a good friend remind me of that word. And he reminded me of that word at the morgue. He asked me if I wanted to go to lunch. When he drove me to the morgue, I was really creeped out. I didn't know if we were eating or if I was the menu. I did, I just, I, 
come on. Want to go to lunch? You show up at a morgue. It's like, I know martial arts. I'm terrified, but I'll fight. We sat in the car outside. This is Willie Willis. Sat in the car outside of the morgue, and he said, do you remember what Bill Norton prophesied over you all those years back? It was like two or, two or three years later. I was like, yep. Because when he drove up, I actually knew what was going on. See, because destiny and identity were sitting there looking me in the face saying, do you believe me or not? I had a choice to make. Do I insist he turn the car around? Or do I go inside and do what I was called to do? What do you think I did? I had him drive me home. Just being real. I'm serious. Dad did not get out the car. See, I had y'all going, oh, it's going to be a raise the dead story. Nope. He didn't even take me to lunch. I went home. And I had a conversation with God about it. I was mad. I was mad. How dare he use a trusted friend to reaffirm his word in my life? How dare he? Can't he tell I'm ignoring him? I bet some of you have had people remind you of who you are, and you've actually been offended at God for it. I bet you've been confronted by what you called the enemy, putting you in a position that you were not feeling very powerful, and it was actually God saying, just ask me to show up. It's time for some of you to get out of the car. Time for some of you to walk into that morgue and some of you to start praying for the dead. Some of you are terrified I'm going to call you out right now. <laughs> Somebody actually said yes. I like it. I'm that guy. And I've got the microphone. Lock the doors. I said that, and then I look back. I'm like, there's a guy standing at every door. This doesn't look good. I don't want this to be a huge response just because... A lot of times in church, we respond because it's right. I think I got saved like 11 times my first couple of years. I mean, altar call get saved? I must be dirty. I'm going to go get saved. I didn't understand what was actually happening. Because it sounded good, it felt good, and the person beside me got up, so I should get up too. That's not what this is. If you've been sitting in a place where you knew you were not in the identity that God has called you to, you're not walking out the call that God's called you, that you haven't actually taken the risk to jeopardize your reputation so that he can get glory. If you know that this, this message, when I've been saying it, you're like, I, I don't want him to say come forward because I know I'm supposed to. Because some of you know that's true. If you're ready to get out of the car and go into the morgue, if you're ready to actually make a change, this is that symbolic action that, okay, God, in front of my peers, I'm going to step forward and say, it's time. If you know that's you, I want you to just stand up and come forward. Russell, I love that you're kneeling. I'm going to have you stand up. There's something specific I want to do. So many times we come before God and we put our head down, we put our hands in front of us, and we get in a place which we think is humility, 
But the reality is if I'm a dad and I'm calling my daughter to come talk to me about something, do you think I want her head down in shame or do I want her to look me in the eyes because there's so much love from me that no matter what she says, she'll feel the love, not the shame. See, we sometimes come before God so humble, and it's false humility. It's actually shame and fear. Because we're afraid that he's going to say, yeah, look how messy that is. When a dad, a father, actually grabs you by the chin, pulls your head up and says, what's going on? Because I know who you are. I know who you're designed to be. I have enough love to get us both through whatever you think you're dealing with. God wants you to hear and see what he's doing and saying so that you step into the place that you are alive in him. And that doesn't happen here. It happens here. Looking into his eyes. I'm, I don't know if God's right there. Don't look like that. I just, You know what I'm saying? Head up. You should be proud of who you are. I didn't say proud of what you're doing. I didn't say proud of what you're thinking. I didn't say proud of what you're not doing or thinking. I said you should be proud of who you are. Why? Because God calls you his son and daughter. And there's so much pride in being a son and daughter of the king. Do you think princes and princesses run around with their head down going, I don't know who I am, I'm making a mess? No. They have the confidence that they walk on behalf of the kingdom. They know who they are. They don't question their identity. Their actions may not reflect it, but that can be changed. See, the thing that's not changeable is who you are. Why? He spoke it into existence. It's perfect and pure and always true. Your actions need to line up with the identity that's already been spoken over you. Now, if you're up here right now, what I want you to do is this. Now, and this is what I like. Everybody that's out there, we're going to have the prayer teams come up in a few minutes. I just want to give some time here right now. But what I want you to do out there is if you did not respond to this, that means one of two things is going on, and I'm okay with either. You're either just not going to respond to this because it's a little bit scary, or you're comfortable where you are. And that doesn't mean that there's not an upgrade for you. It doesn't mean that there's not more for you. It just means you're comfortable where you are. And this wasn't for you in this moment. This wasn't for you in this moment. But it doesn't mean that he's not here handing out upgrades to you. So as you're sitting out there, I want you to also turn your affections to the Father and just know that he is offering everything to everyone right now. Your upgrades are just as receivable and, and powerful as the people up here. This is just something that he's doing for these people right now. So st don't, don't leave right yet. We're not quite done. I want you to stay in a place of just receiving what God's offering in this room. But if you're up here and you came up for this, this is what I want you to do. Like I said, the power of the word. It, we're not going to pray. We're not going to think about what we're, what we're going through. We're going to actually use our mouth and we're going to begin to release into the atmosphere, a place for the fullness of his glory to come and rest on our words. What I want you to do is I want you to begin to say, God, you've said this about me. And it's all positive. Because nothing negative can come out of your mouth if God said it about you. You can't say what you're lacking. You can't say, God, I know I haven't done this, but I know you've called, but I have. No. It's only what he said. It's only the proclamation of identity and destiny and call and love. It's only who he says you are and what he's called you to do. And don't just do it once and think, okay, I fixed it. This may be a process. It may be a moment. See, God is sovereign enough to do everything in a moment. But he's also beautiful enough to let us walk through stuff, to actually grow in maturity. So as you're up here, if you're up here in the front, if you've come up to the front, I just want you with your own words, and don't do it with eyes closed. That's a shameful position when you're talking to someone. If you're closing your eyes talking to someone, you're not engaged.
This is an engagement with the Father. Open your eyes. Imagine looking into the Father's eyes and saying, you've called me to greatness. You've called me to change the world. You've called me to heal the sick. You've called me to raise the dead. You've called me a beloved son. You've called me a beloved daughter. Whatever it is, just begin to proclaim your identity, your calling, your destiny. Whatever you know that God has said about you that you haven't quite stepped into, this moment right now, this moment right now is you saying, I'm changing something now. You already made a manifested step forward saying, God, I'm coming. Now you're saying, God, here's where you're coming to. You're giving him a place for his glory and presence to land on. And I'm just going to let them just, just sing whatever they want over us, but I want you up here. I should hear you as much as I hear them. Don't be timid about your words. God, you've called me to something. He's not hard of hearing, but he loves your voice. Begin to just proclaim right now. Just begin to proclaim. What, and say it over and over. God, you've called me a beloved son. God, you've called me a father to nations. God, you've called me a man to heal the sick. God, you've called me a man to raise the dead. God, you've called me to love with only the love that you can do. Say it. Say it. Say it. If you're sitting out there, you can join in on this as well. I mean, upgrades are available across the room, specifically this group. Be loud. Heads up. Eyes open. Look into his face. Do not allow shame or anything to come on you right now. This is a place where those are breaking off. When you can look someone in the eyes and tell them the truth, it's because you have no shame. You're ready to enter into a fullness of a relationship with them. If you're up here, don't enter into worship. Enter into proclamations and declarations. Stay in that place of talking. This is when we can get caught up in... Don't get caught up in the worship. Get caught up in the conversation. You're talking to your father right now. Yeah, come on. Some of you may have never spoken out like this. I can see it's, it's hard for some of you to put words to it. Just talk. Just say what it is. Start proclaiming who you are. If you can't think of it immediately, I'm a beloved son. I'm a beloved daughter. I stand in full inheritance of the promise. There it is. I can feel it breaking open now. There. Some of you are beginning to use the authority in your words. Come on. Yes, there, come on. Yes. This is not a timid place. This is a place of calling out your destiny, calling out your identity, realizing the truth of who you are. going, keep going. Everywhere in this room, if you want an upgrade in your life in any way, just stand with us and just start to just talk to God. If you're out there sitting there, just stand up and just begin to talk to God and just tell him who he is and who you are.
both sides. Okay, I'll let them know and then I'll, you'll, I'll call you up the transition. I just want to know where you're going to put them. I'm going to push these people back kind of in there. Yes, yes. Either put your hands on your hearts, hands in the air, wherever you want. Just get in a place to receive right now. Father, right now, across this room, we just release the manifest glory of your presence, God. Father, we pray that you would come and just affirm who we are tonight, God. That your presence and your voice would be heard and felt and seen. God, we step into a place of saying yes, 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 yes. Just begin to declare that. Yes, 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 yes. we just love you. God, we surrender our actions to you. We surrender our resistance. We surrender our obstacles. We surrender our friendships that aren't drawing us near. We surrender everything, God, that would hold us in place outside of who you've called us to be. And Father, I just pray that everyone here would see the opportunity that you're putting before them to manifest in their lives, that they would actually see your hand in their lives like they've never seen before. I pray that the word becomes alive to them and they hear what you're speaking over them, God. I pray that the right relationships manifest up in their lives and that your word begins to be declared over each one of them by someone who sees them through your eyes, God. Yes. Jesus' name, Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com.